Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Van Maren Show on LifeSiteNews.com. My name is Jonathan Van Maren, and today I'm going to be talking to uh, Denise McAllister, who was a conservative commentary for many years, wrote for a wide range of publications, including The Federalist and The Daily Wire, until she got cancelled by conservative outlets for her position on, on Christian issues such as homosexuality. We'll get into the details of that story, but the reason I wanted to talk to Denise today... In addition to the fact that I've, I've, I've followed her on Twitter for a long time and I'm an admirer of her work, is the fact that many of you will have seen the fact that Dave Rubin, a podcaster who, who calls himself conservative, announced that he was having children with his gay partner because they had successfully rented two wombs. They'd had children created in Petri dishes. There are, of course, many of these children uh, who are now in freezers as a result and Dave Rubin had actually said in his book that if one of these children had turned out to be disabled, that he would opt to have that child aborted. This, I think, is horrifying, and yet he was congratulated by many conservatives. And Denise has very well-informed and articulate positions on what the conservative movement abandons when it starts to give up on fundamental questions of values and identity. And so I wanted to invite her on to have this discussion. Here's our conversation. So I guess uh, just to start off, Denise, maybe you could introduce yourself uh, to our listeners and kind of give them your background in conservative media. Thank you. And thank you for having me. It's, it's such an honor and a pleasure. I have worked in conservative media for almost 10 years now. And well, I'm no longer in it right now, but I worked for about 10 years as a writer and commentator for The Federalist. And for The Daily Wire, I worked at PG Media submitting work there. I was a commentator from anywhere from Fox News on Sean Hannity Radio to BBC, NPR, various things. But within conservative media itself, mainly those kind of outlets, Fox and The Federalist and other places like that. And I co-authored a book with Dan Bongino named Spygate. It's about the attempted sabotage of Donald J. Trump. So I've worked with Dan closely. And I have my own book also that was published in conservative media what men want to say to women but can't. And so these are the various kinds of experiences I've had within conservative media for, for several years. That sounds pretty broad. Everything everything from Trump to to what do men want to say to women? Yes, doing a lot of commentary and writing and you know, being on podcasts, guests on podcasts from Blaze TV back when NRA was, was there. I was doing stuff for, with them. So yeah, a big variety of things. So what got you into the, the conservative punditry business in the first place? Well, I'm a journalist by trade, and I worked in newspapers and television as a producer many, many years ago. So I'm a journalist. I'm a writer. And after a period of time working in that and doing other things in my life, as well as going into seminary and doing Christian writing as well. So I, I did a period of time in theology. One of the, the things that... I wanted to get to, which is one of the reasons why we're talking to, is is sort of the growing divide between Christian values and, and, and some aspects of sort of the Conservatism Inc. institutional conservative media. But before we get to that, you had, you had a falling out with some people on the right, a very public one that kind of unfolded on Twitter. Can you kind of uh, tell us this story from your perspective? When I was a commentator and writer with The Federalist, so I was a senior contributor there. And I was also contributing to Daily Wire and PJ Media and other places. And I was on Twitter and writing. One of the main things that I write about and one of the main controversies I used to dive into was things about feminism 
I'm kind of the anti-feminist and I would always poke fun at feminists and, and, and just their perverted, I think, view of, of human sexuality and their view of relationship with men. And I had tweeted out a joke about my husband um, watching sports and I'm always trying to poke the feminist to make fun of them and make them uncomfortable. So I was like, oh no, I interrupted my husband during the game. I need to go get him a beer, <laughs> tell him I'm sorry. So it was a joke, my, my followers understood that. I got deluged by thousands of people saying I was being abused by my husband. This was all tied into also, this is such a complicated thing, tied into a controversy I had with Megan McCain earlier in the week because I had criticized The View. She was not happy with me about that. And I got attacked by many of her followers and many in the gay community, which is a, a, our big followers of Megan McCain. And her friend, Yashir Ali, who is a writer for the, I don't know where he writes now, but he's a liberal and he, he's a gay man. So he started this whole mob against me on social media about my husband abusing me because I just simply wanted to respect my husband watching television, you know, watching the sports games on television. And it just all came down with lots of fighting back and forth between me and Yashar Ali and him leading his, his mobs against me. I began to get lots of phone calls and, and emails about uh, threatening to call the police against my husband because of abuse. I just got very angry at him and he was mocking my heterosexual marriage. So finally, I just said, you know, I made a tweet back to him calling, saying he had no right to be judging my heterosexuality when he lives in depravity, basically. And I used other words. Well, immediately after that, I was canceled and fired, not technically fired because I didn't work for them. I was a contributor, but canceled by Ben Shapiro and Ben Dominich and then everyone else in conservative media that I had been contributing for. So I lost all of my jobs. I lost all of my career as a, as a cultural commentator. And in that moment, because I criticized this gay liberal who was falsely accusing my husband of abuse. So that's what happened. And that seems so strange to me for a couple of reasons. One, Ben Shapiro theoretically would hold the same moral position as you on that issue. And I, I still remember how shocked Dave Rubin was in one interview with Ben Shapiro where where Shapiro said he probably wouldn't even attend an anniversary celebration. Like, not only would he not attend a same-sex wedding, but he would also not attend an event that celebrated a same-sex wedding. And I remember Ruben being kind of surprised. And I've heard Shapiro defend the Orthodox Jewish position, which would be more or less the same as the Christian position, on Joe Rogan as well. So what was it about this that made somebody like Shapiro, who should be sympathetic to your point of view, act the way that he did in that context? Well, there's two things with Ben I would actually say with Shapiro is that while he does oppose same-sex marriage, I have not heard him come out and say that he thinks that homosexual, um, homosexual identity itself is sinful and wrong. I have heard him say that he believes same-sex behavior is wrong and he's opposed to marriage, but he validates and actually recognizes the identity of a homosexual, none of which makes really any sense because it's not an actual sexual identity, it's a behavior. So he and I differ as far as the extent of what we would say is, is unbiblical and wrong as far as homosexuality goes. I think it's very much tied into my fight with Megan McCain. So I think this was more about Megan McCain than it was about Yashar Ali. He also may not have liked that I so graphically described gay sex and condemned it. And what I did in my tweet is I condemned that homosexual identity. Ben Shapiro, like I said, will we'll play word games and won't quite come out and say, say what he really means, or maybe he doesn't believe it. But 
he'll, he'll oppose the marriage aspect and things like that, but he's not going to go after the depravity of the sex and the depravity of the assumption that this is an actual sexual identity. And that's what I did. So I think a combination of me being so direct about the condemning nature of this homosexual identity tied to a lot of people in conservative media being upset that I was in an argument with Meghan McCain, which makes no sense because Meghan McCain is not a conservative. And would would that explain also why why Ben Dominich engaged in the canceling then? Because obviously Meghan McCain's his wife. Yes. Ben Dominich at the Federalist, we had a rule at the Federalist that no one would ever be fired for anything they said on Twitter. And no one would ever be let go. And Ben Ben has since tried to worm his way out of that saying, well, I wasn't actually fired because I wasn't an employee, but we all, I was a senior contributor and, and told that I needed to separate myself. So it was it was a canceling in, in the classic term of you can no longer be on this site. You can no longer be recognized within these communities because of what you did. You need to be canceled because of, you know, I freely spoke and I freely responded to a man who was being abusive to me on Twitter and to my husband. There's a lot of conservative commentators now, I find, who are moving towards a, a position that is attempting to remain pro-life and yet embrace the LGBT agenda. And the most obvious example of this would be Meghan McCain. And and the only thing I think that could be said in her defense is she probably never did oppose the, the LGBT position. She's been quite vocal on, on, on abortion, even calling it murder in front of Whoopi Goldberg on The View. And Whoopi Goldberg has talked openly about, about having an abortion before, but has also spoken very vehemently against anybody who opposes the LGBT agenda, as vehemently, I would say, as, as any liberal does. Would you, would you say that in the conservative commentary ad, they're looking at their audience, they're recognizing that younger people are moving away from the Christian position on sexuality, and as such, they're trying to stick to views that are, are, are popular, and the pro-life view is still quite popular with their base, uh, and move away from views that they believe is going to attract the ire of their audience? Would you say that's at play? Or would you just say that a lot of them are actually changing their minds as well? Well, it's always business and wanting to keep the the audience. So that's at play. But I, I think they themselves have bought into the acceptance of homosexual identity. And if they haven't, because there, there are those who, who I think agree with me, but they aren't going to say that publicly because they don't want to offend the audience. So they just ignore the topic. They don't want to deal with it because it's a now established thing within society that homosexuality is an actual sexual identity that needs to be recognized. And it is, it has been recognized by our society. It's, been, it's now ensconced in law as an identity. And, you know, so they've kind of given up the fight and given up the whole issue because they don't want to offend. And that's what Ben Shapiro didn't like about my tweet. He didn't like that it was so offensive. And that was so condemning. And that was one of the goals. That's one of the goals of the homosexual community and has been since the 80s when it really activated culturally to become accepted and legitimized within culture was to downgrade it. You do not talk about the actual sex. You don't talk about the actual perversion of it. You make you normalize everything. And, and so I, I committed a, a great crime in actually challenging, you know, the very legitimacy of the identity and, and the behavior. And conservative media is filled with, you know, wanting to embrace the acceptance of the identity. They don't want to be seen as not nice people. They don't want to be seen as unloving and unkind. And any criticism homosexuality today is, is cast in that frame. You're a mean person, you're an unkind person, and you need to be canceled and silenced if you're criti- critical. And they don't want that. So they 
disassociate from anyone who has that very bold view of it and and they don't want to have anything to do with it and they won't mention it and they won't criticize it not realizing they're really really causing a lot of problems because this is a major issue in the, in the times that we live and very much direct um, directly tied to freedom and rights for everyone it's interesting just because I, I assume it's true that ben was offended by that specific aspect of it rather than just the fact that you know you were engaged in a public tiff with with megan mccain because i'm sorry but megan mccain is tangled with candace owens on twitter before and has been far more personally insulting and very intentionally personally insulting than you were in any of your exchanges. So the fact that you were canceled and Candace was not, I think is obviously an indication that it was about the subject matter rather than the person you were debating. Well, it has to do with several things. I also don't have the power and the influence of Candace Owens. You're not just going to, I'm not a moneymaker for anybody. I, I was just a lowly commentator. I was in a lot of places and well-respected within the industry, but I was not um, any kind of power player. So you're not just going to cancel Candace Owens when she's bringing in so much revenue. So that there, there's a game here about money and power and what club you're part of. It's not a matter of principles. I couldn't be associated with, and I was easily let go because there was no cost to letting me go. There would be a cost to letting go of Candace Owens or someone else like that. The reason we're, we're having this discussion as well is I saw your comments about, about Dave Rubin. And for any listener who lives under a rock and has, has remained unaware of this, and by the way, I don't mean that as pejorative because you're very fortunate if you haven't. Dave Rubin is a podcaster who considered himself left-wing and then classical liberal. He's now defining himself as some kind of a conservative. He runs a podcast called The Rubin Report, which is sort of like a subpar version of William F. Buckley's firing line without the intellectual back and forth. He brings people on and just has long, long form discussions with them. He has a, a gay partner also named David and recently announced that he and his partner, David, had hired two women to be surrogates, that these women with embryos created with with the respective sperms of he and his husband and and, and a single egg donor had, had created several children of petri dishes implanted them in those women he wrote in his book that if one of those children had had been tested and turned out to be disabled that he would opt to have that child aborted he didn't say what he would do if the surrogate uh, objected to that sort of thing and and so this is this isn't wasn't super shocking insofar as that this kind of thing has been around for quite a while, right? The reproductive technology industry has is devoted a lot of money and scientific innovation to providing two women and two men with motherless or fatherless children. What did strike me though, and I noticed you were not at all shocked by this, was the number of, of conservative pundits and outlets who congratulated Dave for doing this, for having these motherless children created and renting renting wombs to gestate these children in. Like this should be a, appalling to anybody who considers themselves any kind of conservative, especially considering the fact that uh, Dave Rubin openly admits in his book, which which has been praised by many conservative commentators, and he's gone on all their shows to talk about this book, that he would have aborted any baby with a disability, despite the fact that it's his child. But he got congratulated by by The Blaze. He got congratulated by Candace Owens. He got congratulated by people who work for The Daily Wire, although notably not Ben Shapiro himself. What was your reaction when you saw all of this take place? Because... Uh, I, I, you mentioned on Twitter, which is why I reached out to you, that there's a direct connection between what happened to you and the congratulations that are that are, are rolling in for, for Dave Rubin, despite the horrifying circumstances of his announcement. Well, I wasn't surprised because I know a lot of these people and you know, I've been in conservative media a long time. And 
one thing you've got to understand is that before I was canceled, I was fighting this battle within the conservative community, behind the scenes and conversations and in writing and trying to get people I saw moving in this direction of accepting the homosexual identity and, and the legitimization of it and all that comes with it. Uh, and trying to urge them to understand how wrong this is and how bad it is for society. And so I, and I was writing about it and I actually wrote critically about this kind of thing before I was fired. I have an article at the Federalist, I'm surprised they even let it be published, where I was very critical of single mothers doing this as well as anyone doing this, creating children, purposely leaving out the mother or the father. And which, is, which I believe is a form of, of child neglect because it causes emotional harm. I mean, you have adults now causing, purposefully causing emotional harm on children for their own benefit. And that's technically child neglect, child, child abuse, and I can't believe it's legal, but here we are. So and I'm not surprised that this happened with conservative media. And, you know, I, I continue to call them out on it for their hypocrisy and for their lack of conserving values. And I attribute it to a um, putting personal relationships with nice, quote unquote, nice people like Dave Rubin behind the scenes above, above principles. You have to understand in conservative media, it's quite a, an incestuous affair. It's, it's quite inter, um, relationally based. It's cliquish. It's, 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 it's a group like in high school. <laughs> you know, they all stick together or they don't. They have their people, they have their pets that they like, and they have their pet peeves that they like, and, and you don't violate those or you accept those. And you know, most people that probably congratulated him were like knew had met him and think he's a really nice guy and he has power and he's come from the left and he's moved so far. They don't want to drive him away from the libertarian conservative circles and drive him back to the left. They they really want to show how welcoming the right is and that we're not a bunch of hayseeds and, and ignoramuses who who you know homophobes who who don't want to embrace and be open-minded to these people it's it, it's very I, I like to call it straight guilt i mean it's very much like white guilt and it's that i don't want to seem like i'm one of those people i mean i'm a good person so i'm going to talk about how wonderful your homosexual choices are and in, in your claim of identity because I don't want to be like those who, who aren't. I, I want our movement to move forward and we need more and more people like you. I think the conservative movement is terrified that it is going to lose legitimacy in the culture and any kind of voice in the culture if it does not embrace homosexuality. So because most of the millennial generation and most of the society now uh, embraces it. We've been so propagandized by pop culture. I mean, you can't turn on anything on television <laughs> without being brainwashed and bombarded by homosexual LGBT messaging. And it, it's that kind of nudging its way in, into the, the social consciousness of our society to the point that it is now embraced. And so conservatives look out across the landscape and they're like, no, we, we have to embrace this for us to stay legitimate. It's kind of like the age old, you know, um, you know, even abortion early on, you know, we, we can't be associated with that. We've got to hold, separate ourselves somewhat from it in order to be legitimate. It's not, it's no longer a principled movement. It's purely pragmatic and political in that we will compromise principles 
something as basic as human identity and something as basic as the family, which if you're a conservative and you're not conserving the family, then you're not a conservative. You need to step aside and go ahead and move over toward the liberal camp. You may say you're all about freedom, but you cannot have freedom if you don't conserve the family. You cannot have freedom if you don't have a cohesive, ordered understanding of human identity. And you don't have, you don't can't have freedom if you think your identity comes from yourself instead of from God. These are this is what's happening in the conservative movement. It's become a pragmatic force to maintain legitimacy in the culture, and they see the culture as being so embraceable of homosexuality, which it is, and so they must be too. And Dave Rubin is kind of their pet homosexual that they 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 want to groom and they they want to make sure that he's comfortable within the arms of the conservative movement, so he stays there. And that's what you see going on with their acceptance. Because even some of these people, if they behind the scenes, if you ask them and you press them, you know, especially the Christians and the Jews, because they have the same you know foundational understanding of, of morality here, yeah, that they will just be pragmatic about it. You know, I may believe that behind the scenes, but I'm not going to say that out loud. And why not look look like the good guy by at least congratulating someone like Dave Rubin? It's it's the it's the slow walk toward becoming empty of any kind of meaning, you know. So because you've abandoned your principles along the way, yeah. You know, I know that we we have to do this sometimes in voting for things and policy and politics, but I'm talking about cultural commentators. You know, there's one thing to form coalitions to get a a bill passed. You know, it's another thing to be a cultural commentator and a political commentator. These all together where you're out speaking supposedly truth to the culture in order to engage the minds of the culture, to change the hearts of the culture, to move them in a certain direction. And that's what I say to these, you know, my previous friends in conservative media is that you're failing. You're failing in that you've sold, you sold out and you're ineffectual to save the culture because you've abandoned the very foundations that make a culture and a civil society free. Well, especially like I, I understand the wanting to not, you know, camp out on the issues that you feel the culture's moved on from, whether or not I disagree with it. And then there's, of course, the the, the next step, which is, do you recognize same-sex marriage as marriage? And I would say, you know, you can you can decide to call a relationship whatever you want, but we don't, legislation doesn't change the definition of marriage because it's a divine institution. And then, of course, there's the issue of creating motherless children or fatherless children intentionally, right? There are many reasons that children grow up without fathers or grow up without mothers, but we used to at least collectively recognize that this is a tragedy, uh, that divorce is a tragedy. You know, Peter Kreeft calls it the murder of the one flesh, that, that a child, that a father gives something to children that a mother can't, and that a mother gives something to children that a father can't. And that never used to be a controversial position, right? You know, when, when Dan Savage goes on TV and says, you know, they, their marks are just as good if they're from a, from a, a same-sex family as an opposite-sex family. It's like, as if this has anything to do with how their grades look in school, right? The idea that a mother's value or a father's value boils down to academic performance, I think, is is, is ludicrous. And we all instinctively know that a father and a mother provide something different and essentially important. But you have these allies against wokeness that is classical liberals who agreed with everything up until 15 minutes ago, but are now being pushed too far. So Dave Rubin would be one who ludicrously now calls himself a conservative, although he really isn't. Uh, Barry Weiss would be another one. She runs the Common Sense Substack. She's a wonderful writer. 
She's very intelligent, but she and her partner have also intentionally created fatherless children who will grow up without a father, which will be, you know, a tragic. It, it's tragic that those children do not have a father regardless of how much they are loved by the two women that they live with. It, that just that is that is what it is. But you have a lot of a lot of liberals who who helped to pioneer and even engineer the the sexual revolution who because they're not completely insane now look increasingly conservative right another example of this would be Andrew Sullivan who again brilliant writer probably did more to mainstream the idea of same-sex marriage as an acceptable conservative institution than any other writer in America and yet now increasingly looks conservative by the standards uh, of of radical woke progressivism so what would your suggestion to conservatives be as they're looking to create alliances and they're looking at at wokeness as the main threat and see perhaps people like Dave Rubin as as viable allies what would your response to that be first question would have to be and maybe you can play devil's advocate is what uh, what is an ally for ultimately in what you're trying to conserve in a society i know where you're going with this because i thought it was insane like dave rubin was a speaker at the national conservatism conference right which is pioneered by the edmund burke foundation and features you know like nationalist thinkers and often post-liberal thinkers who are allying with Dave Rubin. So presumably we, we build um, alliances with people who want to conserve the same things that we do. Let me start with something that's foundational. What, if we're wanting to conserve a civil society, because this is what conservatism usually is, a civil society that's free based on an original understanding of the constitution. So, and this is conserving of society is not just a political effort. It is a cultural effort. So things that you're pushing for in culture, you're not necessarily saying the state should legislate any of this, you know, so, but conservatism is a, is a holistic view of society and not just a political action committee, which is a different thing. So um, if you're wanting, so we almost have to have two conversations when you talk about alliances. Are you talking about an alliance again, about some political initiatives to get some things done politically that that are in the system, uh, you know, so bills that need to be passed, that kind of thing. Uh, you can build an alliance with many, many different types of people, and they can build alliances with you to get out that information and to uh, try to get that bill passed. That's almost should be understood across the board that you should be able to have an open tent when it comes to policy and getting those kinds of initiatives going. You know, so, you know, Dave Rubin wants less taxes, you know, than, than let's let's join on board to get some some tax reduction going on. That's one thing. But if you're talking about an alliance to change the direction of the culture, which I think most of us can agree with Breitbart when he said that politics is downstream from culture. If you're if that is your focus and you understand that really what we're trying to get done politically pales and is ineffectual if the culture is rotten. So if conservatives see the cultural battle, the cultural war, if you will, to be primary in our commentary, in the messaging we're trying to get out, in our alliances, in the culture, in what we write daily, what we put on our podcast. If that's what your goal is, is to reform the culture, then then that's a different story when it comes to what kind of alliances you're building to make that happen. Because you want to send a cohesive message about your presuppositions that you're bringing 
to what a healthy civil free society looks like. And I would say if you're trying to rebuild, reform, resuscitate <laughs> a dying culture like ours is, and you have to agree that it is, when you look at all the metrics of what a civil society is, we're down on all of them. And it mostly centers around family, divorce, you know, this kind of thing. You cannot have this kind of brokenness and have a healthy culture. If that's your goal and that if you understand logically that intact, intact families are foundational to freedom and that a proper understanding about human identity is essential to freedom, then you have got to step back and look at, at who you're aligning with and messaging about how to save that society. I don't think many conservatives and many people out there understand the connection between a proper understanding of human identity and rights. Most people don't. And most people don't understand that if our rights come from God, our identity is designed by God because we have the dignity of being made in the image of God and according to his created order. Animals don't have the rights that we have because they don't have our identity. We are human beings made in the image of God in a certain way for a certain purpose with a certain created design and the created order by God. And it's because of that identity that we have our rights. Are there any conservative commentators that you think do a decent job on this? Like I know Allie Beth Stuckey of The Blaze released a long video just explaining why and how she disagreed with Dave Rubin's decision. I know with a bit of prodding, Matt Walsh did the same. Would you say there's anybody who isn't making the, the foundational mistake you're referring to here? Well, even her and Matt, I don't hear making this kind of logical comprehension about identity. I see them more making a biblical case about the morality and immorality of homosexuality. And, and even then, I don't actually hear them making argument against homosexuality per se as an identity. I hear them opposing same-sex marriage, but I still hear them you know, saying, you're going to be great parents. <laughs> all this kind of stuff, which, you know, if you have, if you're engaged in child neglect, you know, from the get go, I really don't see how you can be a great parent unless we're being very, unless we're being very materialistic, which I think we are a lot of the time. So, you know, I mean, not, not to take away from the difficulty of what, you know, Allie and the rest of them are, are doing, Matt, and holding to some biblical truths, which is great, do that, but it, you have to go deeper. You have to understand the connections here and the foundational philosophical underpinnings of identity and freedom and liberty and family. You can't just say, well, the Bible says this is wrong, so that's why I don't agree with it. I, I'm trying to make a logical argument as well as a biblical one about identity and about rights. And I don't hear anyone else doing that. Maybe Steve Dace and, and his group over at Blaze TV. I hear them saying this more. They, they understand more than anyone probably that I've listened to the, the, the tragic loss of objective truth and what that means in our society. And I just have a, a very hard time with conservatives who say that they're fighting for, for these conservative values, embrace such a blatant and all-encompassing, subversive, and insidious acceptance of subjective reality about human identity. So... I mean, the whole opposition, my whole opposition to the LGBT is it's not about the sex. You know, I don't really care about what you're actually doing in the sexual realm. It's about identity. And, and people need to understand that because that's the fight that the LGBT have been making. The LGBT agenda is not, hey, let's, let us do what we want to in our bedrooms. That's not their fight. 
That's not what they're fighting for. That's not what they've won. They have been fighting for legitimization and recognition of their own self-defined sexual identity. It's about identity. It's everywhere in our faces. We have to sign what's your identity, what's your sexual identity. I mean, we're, we're being told this and it's being screamed to us. People, it's not about sex, it's about identity, but I don't think conservatives step back and think, what does that mean? What is the implications of you know, accepting a separate identity? And it's one thing to say, like I would say, do I think homosexuals should be arrested for having homosexual relationships and sex? No. I believe in freedom in that area. You know, this is not something that should be legislated. But I don't think that you should recognize behavior as, as identity. Because as soon as you do, then if you recognize this as a human identity, you have to give rights to it. Well, once you give rights to an, an identity that is not an actual human identity, you're going to be taking away liberties from someone else in order to maintain those rights. So do you think there's quite a few people who would agree with everything you just said, but but don't just say it? So like Ben Dominic, for example, right? I understand him. He's, he's at least reputed, reputedly a pretty conservative Christian. Would he agree with you, but just wouldn't say it? No. Ben Dominic is a libertarian and would reject everything I just said. But is it possible for somebody who is a politically a libertarian to still agree with everything you just said from a moral, religious, and cultural perspective, or are the two completely oil and water? Like, I'm not a libertarian, and I'm interest, I'm all, but I'm always interested the extent to which social conservatives can have an alliance with libertarians when so many of the policies that we advocate do seem to be directly at odds with each other. Do you see any way that libertarians and social conservatives can, can be in political company? on these issues or there are many political agendas that you can form an alliance with people that you don't fundamentally agree about the foundations of society a radical feminist by the way you know who i could agree with her that the trans to get an initiative that bathrooms shouldn't be open to everybody okay you know i can join to get that passed i'm making a very strong line between what's politically dealt with and what are you culturally trying to do in and to change minds in the culture? What are you fighting for fundamentally about the foundational understanding? I don't hold the political fights in as much value, I personally, because I think they're ineffectual because I really do believe that politics is downstream from culture. You know, while I think it's necessary and pragmatic, obviously we have a Congress and we're a participatory republic, we need to be involved in what's going on politically. And we need to, you know, fight for any kind of where the Democrat Party wants to violate rights, you know, with all kinds of ways politically, you know, fight those battles. And if you can form an alliance to get that done, if you if you want to form alliances to win an election, to get your guy in, you know, to get that small little piece, maybe a little bit better than the Democrats, because I don't see I personally don't see the Republicans as being much different from the Democrats anymore. But there's still differences. And, you know, that's fine, but don't fool yourself to think that this is a meaningful alliance that's going to bring real change long-term to the culture. So, and definitely don't align on things that are gonna be undermining those foundational views of the culture. But when it comes to commentary, when it comes to getting out this messaging, and this is why I do have such a problem with people in the media, because they're not politicians. You know, they're not political action committees. You know, they, they claim to be commentators about life and culture, and they write stories about it and engage in this kind of dialogue to make people think and to make changes in their thinking. To those people, those are the ones I'm like, 
you need to be careful in what you're affirming and who you're aligning with in your cultural society. And, you know, and, and this kind of embrace and, and people who, who foundationally undermine everything that you believe and you know, inviting them to conferences to, to discuss ideas. No, I, I don't agree with that. Now, you know, if you, if you say you're a conservative movement wanting to bring change in the culture to make people more conservative and understand what they're conserving, no, I don't think it's appropriate to bring in people who believe in false identities that are ultimately going to undermine your rights. I don't think in that context, it makes any, that's illogical to me. I mean, explain to me the logic of that. Alliances with people like Dave Rubin change us more than they change him. Oh, absolutely. And, and you've already been changed by wanting, wanting to have the seat. So you think, what do you think you're going to gain in the culture? You know, are you thinking you're just going to get a whole lot more Republican voters? Maybe that doesn't always pan out. We still have abortion. You know, nothing's happening to undermine, you know, to change that, you know, fight. I'm going to get a little bit more narrow with Christians. Christians, especially watch who you're aligning with, you know, and Christians are fighting also for a different, a different battle. Yes. You want your country to be free. Yes. You're participating in the Republic. Yes. You want to win elections that, you know, are better than the other guy. Your allegiance is not in this world. Your allegiance is not to this culture. Your allegiance is not to the United States. Your allegiance is to God. And if you're doing anything and aligning with anything that outright philosophically and spiritually and morally flies in the face of God, you need to step away from that as a Christian. You know, even if you lose everything, even if you lose this country, your alliance is with God. I think we too often make an idol of politics. We make an idol of our own liberty. And again, I'm not saying don't fight for it, but it is not the end all be all. You don't sell your soul. You don't sell your principles. You don't give up the very truths that God says about human beings and human relationships, you know, to win an election. And again, I'm not saying that there aren't politicians to vote for, for who aren't perfect or you know, when you have a, just two choices and this kind of thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about your personal alliances. What are you saying behind the scenes? You know, what are you doing? What are you writing? What are you communicating in your podcast? Who are you standing with on a stage? You know, are you standing with on a stage and saying you're locked arms with someone who is foundationally and fundamentally and philosophically undermining everything that you say you believe in? Why are you doing that? What to win an election? If all you want to do is win an election, form a little committee and send out your, your stickers for that person and, and get a voting block going. But don't stand on a stage and pretend to be a conservative. Don't stand on a stage and start waxing eloquent about the evils to society and then everyone grouping up on the trannies, transgender, excuse me. You know, don't. I mean, they seem to be, I laugh because they seem to be the one group that you know, we can still beat up on, you know, but no, it, You've already embraced them by accepting, you know, like I said before, uh, subjective sexual identity. That's going to catch up to you. You're going to realize that you've already lost that battle. Once you embrace homosexuality as a sexual identity, you have embraced every self-made sexual identity. Think about that and take that to its logical conclusion. Once we un became unmoored from objective reality and God's created order, it's a free-for-all. So do you want to direct the listeners to, to any resources or anything they can read to kind of uh, get even uh, a more 
intricate grasp of your position because I'm 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 jiving with everything you're saying. But like I like I thought most of these things before we started talking, which is probably one of the self-serving reasons we're having this discussion. Is I saw your comments on 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 the conservative response to the horrific things Dave Rubin are doing, and I thought no, we we agree on this completely. And I have. I like I appreciate some of the things for, like just to give you an example and right? I I very much appreciate some of the things that that the Daily Wire is doing very much and then I have other questions about the extent to which conservatism and Christianity do not align at all in in, in conservative media. So, you know, even even when it comes to films, um you know, the the big conservative movie they broke up with was was Run Hide Fight, which you know featured full frontal nudity and a lot of blasphemy and things like that. And I'm like, to what extent is this conservative and and to what extent is this, is this just another revenge flick, but you're giving your money to conservative people instead of liberal people? Same thing with their brilliant advertisement last week, which was which was awesome. But, you know, they had a whole bunch of really scantily clad people on it that they, they didn't need to have in there to make the ad brilliant. And I'm thinking, OK, like becoming them to mock them is not the way that we prove that we're different and more principled. And same thing with their their most recent film. Since I'm since I'm ranting a little bit, it was just it was just a a two hour horror flick. And I might offend some people by saying this, but I I think there's something distasteful about entertaining ourselves by people suffering for several hours because I don't think that it should be entertaining. I think it's dark. And again, I want to know what's conservative about producing films that Hollywood would produce, but you're giving your money to a conservative instead of a liberal. And so it's it's difficult. You need to be rooted in first principles. In order, in order to be able to make an argument about anything, and increasingly uh, the conservative media in, uh, establishment doesn't seem to be. You know what I mean? Well, because they become pragmatic. I mean, you, what you would get, it's the same thing you get in these churches that have watered down their worship and made it not look much different from a concert. You know, it's, it's like, where is the preaching of God's word here? Uh, is they want so much to become appealing to the other side. So they give up some things in order to well they'll come they'll come if if we're scantily dressed they'll come if we have a homosexual on stage with us they'll come if we don't talk about abortion very much you know um all these various ways that we compromise in order to become appealing so and i think even that's mixed also we want to be better liked too so we don't want to look too extreme so we want to look enough like the world in order to be a, you know, the world will find us appealing. It's self-deluded. It really is. That's your motivation. And if you're actually compromising on truth in order to uh, appeal to people who hate the truth, then you're only going to become frustrated in the long term. And you'll find that you have changed more than they have in the long term. And, and I, I do see that in our culture. I mean, the church conservative movement, it's, more liberal and the liberals are very more liberal so everything's moving leftward i don't see a pool of right from our compromising to the left you know and again as christians specifically we are to be separate we are not to be like the world the world hates the, the light darkness hates the light so when you start emulating darkness it's only going to be attracted to the darkness that you're emulating. It's not going to be attracted to your light. You're not going to be able to slip in the spinach of goodness into your mac and cheese of the world. And they're just going to like the mac and cheese. And it's going to be so diluted, you're not going to bring about change. You have to trust that God, God has a bigger plan for this world. God is stronger than the evil in this world. 
trust his ways, it may mean you lose some things. It may mean you lose a nation, but you have got to say, look, I'm here to save souls. I'm here to live in obedience to God, to honor him, to glorify him. And that's the goal here is the glory of God, not the glory of a party or the movement or yourself or your own career as a podcaster or whatever. That's, that's not what's important here. The importance here is living according to God's plan for this world and for you. And in his plan and his, in his truth, it's not just for Christians. This truth is for all of creation. The reality that we're talking about, the objective reality, the created order is for all of creation. This is something that we need to realize and we need to hold to it and, and do so fearlessly instead of being so short-sighted and say, you know, I've got to embrace this or they're not going to come. Trust God. You know, they may not come this year. They may not come next year. Maybe he does, he's judging a nation. Maybe he's judging a nation and doesn't want them to come. Maybe he wants it to get worse. And, it, and the decline may have to happen. But, the, but improvement's not going to come by you watering down truth or, or abandoning it altogether. Truth is, I mean, revival is going to come. Change is going to come only by those who hold to the truth. But you have to think long-term. You, you have to trust. You have to throw your idols out and, and hold to truth. And also be smarter about the insidious connections of bad thinking and bad philosophy on the very practical things you're fighting for. And I can't insist enough the abandonment of an objective understanding of human identity and how it undermines everything that conservatives fight for. Everything. You will lose everything if you've abandoned that truth. If you've abandoned the created order, I don't care how many people you align with. If you've abandoned it and it's now ensconced in law, whew, we're on a downward decline and, and, and it's already established deeply and you by just embracing it you're not doing anything to change it well on that optimistic note denise thank you so much for coming on <laughs> i do no i do i do really appreciate it because no i think these are I, I think these are very important discussions because there's a lot of people out there who are are kind of pulled along by the media they consume and i think that the dave rubin surrogacy slash abortion moment was a very revelatory moment and i and i think it's important to discuss so i really do appreciate you coming on to share your insights well, I appreciate you having me and you keep up with the good work. We need more men like you. Ladies and gentlemen, that was my conversation on Denise McAllister. I hope you enjoyed or more accurately felt enlightened by this conversation. If you want to check out past shows or subscribe to former shows, please head over to lifesitenews.com. Click on the podcast tab. You can subscribe to the podcast there. Again, thank you so much for joining us this week, and we hope you'll join us again next week.